Thank you for tuning in to Mentor Moments. A good mentor can have life-changing impacts on you and your career. We know that not everyone has someone they can call a mentor, so that's why this podcast brings you insightful advice from executives and leaders to help you grow personally and professionally. My name is Alex Keon, and let's get right into today's episode. Joining us for this episode is Krista Brown Sanford. She is a partner at Baker Botts and practices law in their intellectual property department. Mrs. Brown Sanford, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Alex. Thank you for having me on this. It's really our pleasure and we're so glad that you're here today. And can I first start by asking you to tell us what is the journey that led you to become a partner at Baker Botts? You know, it seems like that would be an easy question, but it actually starts when I was 12. Um, I was really good at math and science. I really enjoyed it. And I told my mom, hey, I want to be a lawyer. And she told me that I needed to be a patent attorney because if I did that, I could go to undergrad and do either science or engineering and then go to law school. And so at 12, I set up on this path to become a patent attorney. And I went to Rice University for undergrad. I did electrical engineering there. And because I knew I wanted to go into this field, I went straight to law school. I didn't practice in engineering. Um, I did three years at SMU for law school, and then I started at Baker Botts as soon as I graduated from law school. But the funny thing is, when I started at the firm, I thought, you know what, I'll do this for a year, um, practice law, kind of see what this big law firm life is like, and then I'll quit. And I'll go work for my dad and take over his company someday. So I never anticipated that I would be still at Baker Botts, still practicing patent law 17 years later. But here I am. Um, And to really get to your question about, like, how did I get to be a partner here? I will say after that, when I was in my first year at Baker Botts and I saw um, truly just the lack of diversity in the partnership, um, I noticed that in our Dallas office, we had never had an African-American partner. That really changed my outlook and changed my focus and changed how I wanted to make an impact in this arena. And so after seeing that, um, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna try to make it here as a partner. And I did, and I was the first African-American associate to be promoted to partner in our Dallas office um, at Baker Botts, and that happened in 2014. like I said, I've been at the firm at 17 years now, so it's crazy to think that, you know, what I started at 12 has now culminated in a 17-year career. Well, it's certainly an incredible journey. It's even more incredible that you didn't plan to even be there that long. <laughs> so that's funny how things work out. Yes, yeah. I'm so glad you touched on this area of diversity because I know that is something you are a champion of. I know that you are the first African-American president of the Junior League of Dallas, uh, which would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about that organization? Yes. So the Junior League of Dallas is an association, well, it's a, a volunteer organization that's really focused on developing the potential of women to improve the community. And I love it because it is really about training women to be the best that they can be in leadership roles and volunteer roles but really to go out and make an impact on our community. And I got involved with this organization as a young attorney. Um, You know, when you're working your hours, it gets very busy and you tend to lose sight of everything else. And I thought, you know, I, I loved volunteering growing up and I wanted to get more involved in the community again, but this was a great avenue for me 
to get involved and be held accountable because there are certain things that you need to do as a member of Junior League. And so I joined the organization 15 years ago and kind of, again, you know, I get involved and I really have gotten so much out of my Junior League experience that I wanted to create a path for others that were coming behind me, but also for the community more broadly to see the Junior League for really what it is. It's not, you know, this kind of old fashioned organization that may have gotten certain perceptions through like the movie, The Help or something else. It truly is a beacon in the community that is a diverse organization with diverse voices and, you know, diverse leadership too. I love that you are so intentional about creating paths for others. I think that's really incredible. Um, and some I think our listeners would love to learn about is if someone finds themselves in a position where they can make a path, what are some ways they can do that? You know, it's funny because even though I say like it's very intentional, I don't know that I have done certain things to actually do this. You know what I mean? For example, like being within Junior League and becoming president. I don't think I knew that first year when I joined, oh my goodness, I want to be president in 14 years. It was me just, one, just getting involved and learning about the organization and putting in the work and then seeing, okay, well, maybe I can be in a position to create a path for others. And I would say, you know, instead of doing like I did, which was, I think, a little less intentional to be very intentional, um, I think I am seeing more um, people that are coming up through the ranks of, you know, law firm life and volunteer life, et cetera, who really have an idea of what they want to do. But even though you have an idea of what you want to do and you want to be intentional about it, I would say still be flexible, right? And be able to be, be willing to adjust what you think your path is because what you may think it is, there may be another way to get there and there may be a way to get there that's better and that can create opportunities for you and others behind you. So um, I, I, I think I wish I could have been a little more intentional in certain things and to get it going, doing certain things in my career path and then also in my junior league path. But I think because I was not so dead set on one certain thing, it allowed me to be flexible. And that's what I would say people should continue to do. Well, thank you for setting the example. And staying on this topic of the Junior League, uh, what is some advice you would share with young people that are maybe starting out in their careers and they feel like they don't have time to serve? How did you manage to balance that? Yeah, well, like I said, that's why I got involved in the league, because I felt like I was so consumed with work that I needed an outlet that would hold me accountable because I was worried if I just tried to figure it out on my own, I would not be doing it because I would kept, I would keep getting sucked back into, you know, staying at my desk all the time or working late into the night. And I will say one, you just have to set your priorities. And when you set your priorities and then you follow through with your priorities, that is essential, right? For me, it was a priority to start volunteering. And so I found something that was aligned with my priorities, but two, it also kept me, um, like I said, accountable, right? If I just went out and started volunteering myself, that's aligned with my priorities, but then I could fall off. And so you want to make sure that there is some accountability in what you're doing. And I think that'll help with growth too. So one, set your priorities. Two, find something that will help you be accountable. And then three, once you get involved, 
don't just do it halfway. I think if you do it halfway, um, you're not going to get the most out of it either. And you're not going to give back in the way that you would want to give back. And I think when I got involved in the league, I really wanted to do it to the best of my ability. And that allowed me to really experience the fullness that the league has, has to offer. And it's really allowed me to grow in my league development. Well, I love that advice. And thank you for sharing that. So putting your lawyer hat back on, one of the major themes of this season is talking about how COVID has affected different industries and careers. So I'm really curious, what are some of the ways that COVID has affected the practice of law? You know, um, my day-to-day is different in that I am probably on more calls than I used to be before COVID. Um, Where I am taking these calls is very different. Uh, I feel like I have less time to just sit and think and work because it's interesting, even though there was a stillness of COVID that happened over a time frame, things started to become more quick and there was an expectation to respond quickly. Um, you know, there wasn't a moment where I was on a three hour plane ride and I wasn't available. You know, I'm at my home office on, on my computer. I have my presence up so anyone can find me at any time. And I think that really changed the expectation from an internal expectation, but also a client expectation. You know, as a lawyer, we are typically available 24-7. That was amped up during COVID, like nobody's business. So that changed a bit. Um, I will say we have continued to stay busy in the legal profession. As I mentioned, my focus is on patent law. And we still have clients that are wanting to protect their ideas. We still have clients that are getting sued. We are still doing licensing agreements. So the data to the day-to-day work continued, just how we were executing on it changed. And I want to also talk a little bit about hiring. I know law is a very different profession than most, but I'm curious, how did COVID affect hiring? Yeah, so the first summer, uh, summer of 2020, it really upended what we would typically do with hiring. Um, in the law firm environment, we typically have law students summer with us, which means they will work an internship over, you know, six to 10 weeks within our offices throughout the firm. And last summer, we did not have that opportunity. So we did not actually have anyone do client work. We kind of gave them information about the firm. Everyone got summer offers, but it shifted in that we didn't really get to interact in a deep way with our interns like we typically would. And that is really kind of how we develop our pipeline for the law firm. And so that was a huge shift for us. And this past year in 2021, we did not have in-person interns again. We did everything um, virtually. So thankfully we were able to go back to a place where we could interact with our summer interns um, more regularly, give them client work and let them really see what it means to be like to work in a law firm environment and to work at bigger bots. Um, but still, it was a shift in that we were doing things remotely and did not have some of those um, informal opportunities to get together, you know, over dinner or at lunch, et cetera. So that it's really changed how we do hiring. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2022. Um, hopefully, we will have the opportunity to re-engage in person more regularly. But 
you know, there, there were some benefits with, you know, continuing to do things remotely and how we integrate that aspect within our hiring. You know, we're, of course, looking at it, too, with how we just do our day to day with the work. It is absolutely interesting thing about the changes that COVID brought on and are here to stay. Uh, but for those that did miss out on those opportunities for um, summer internships and whatnot, what advice would you share with them to maybe catch up or, you know, get back on the right track? Yeah, you know, I actually had a conversation with someone last week about this and he was, he's a law, well, he just graduated from law school. He Last year, he did not have an internship due to like kind of law firms not trying to figure it out. And um, this year, he was looking for an opportunity after having graduated, but couldn't find anything. And I told him, you know, it's unfortunate um, how things kind of just got pushed. And what the opportunities that would have been available this year were kind of being taken by those that didn't get the summer last year. And so it's like this backlog now that's been created. And so what I would say to those that are looking for opportunities, one, um, be persistent, be dogged. I would do your research. Again, prioritize. What do you want? What type of law firm are you looking for if you're going into the legal profession? What kind of company do you want to work with? Do your research, figure it out, prioritize what you want in a job, and then be dogged about finding those opportunities within those areas. I will say, I, I was talking to this gentleman last week, and he was telling me how, I asked him, you know, what city do you want to live in? In the U.S. He said, anywhere. I was like, well, I need something. <laughs> like, have you ever been to Dallas? Have you been to Houston? I don't know. So I don't think you need to take this overly broad approach when you're looking for an opportunity. I think it really does help you if you take the time to know what you want and to focus on it and then have some focused searches going where you can really hone in. Um, because I told them, you know, like when I interview someone and they tell me they want to do anything and they have no idea and they want to work anywhere, I'm a little hesitant to move forward with that candidate because my concern is, will they want to come, if they do come and work with me, are they going to be jumping to the next thing in three months, six months, because they don't really know what they want. So do the work on the front end, figure out what you want, and then start looking for it. And then when you're looking for it, be persistent and dogged, because I think right now, while there are some industries that are clamoring for people, that are there are others that have a, um, like I said, there, it's, it's a uh, backlog because we have a lot of folks coming up through the pipeline. Well, thank you for sharing that philosophy of being very focused in and prioritizing. I think that's really great to share. So thank you for that. Um, another related question I wanted to ask is, what are some skills you think maybe some of these candidates have not had the opportunity to develop that they should really consider um, if they're currently pursuing a career? One thing that I really look for when I am interviewing candidates is what challenges have they faced in their past and how have they approached those challenges? And the reason I'm, the reason I'm looking for that and I'm asking questions to get to that is because I want to see how are you going to respond when something bad happens? Will you have the resilience to get back up, dust yourself off, and keep moving forward and learning? Um, I think we have created a culture where failing is not okay. 
through failure, through challenge, you learn, right? And if I can have someone who fails quickly, learns, and then keeps it moving, that's the type of individual that I would want. So I think it is really good for people that are coming up to be resilient, be okay with taking a risk and potentially failing. But then if that happens, being able to dust yourself off and move on and learn from what you just experienced. That's key, right? Don't just fail to fail. You want to learn something from it and then apply that to your next try. That is a great skill set and, and one that I'm sure uh, we've all had an opportunity to practice over these past uh, this past year. <laughs> so, um, and now it's, it's kind of related to hiring. I do want to quickly ask you about um, diversity, as you brought up earlier. Um, I know that one thing you've talked about in a Dallas Business Journal as an important um, challenge to tackle is implicit biases. Could you just educate our listeners a little bit about what those are and how we can manage them better? Yeah, I mean, so a bias is just a leaning that you have and an implicit bias is a lean that you may have that you don't realize you have. You know, for example, um, we, I may have a, a bias towards people that did cheerleading. I did cheerleading. And so when I find that out, I'm like, oh my goodness, we have this connection and I may implicitly gravitate towards them or give them other opportunities because of that connection that we have. Now, what I think is important, you know, because everyone is doing a lot of training on implicit bias and making sure that we are aware of these biases that we have. The thing is, we need to make these conscious. I want people to know, like, hey, I have a bias. Don't just keep it in the back of your head. Bring it to the front of your head. And when you know you have that bias, then how are you going to act in view of having that bias, right? Am I going to still gravitate towards someone who I would have because we have this connection? Or am I going to realize, you know what? I'm gravitating towards that person because of my bias. Let me step back, right? And try to take a more holistic view or a view that takes into account the bias that I have and tries to remove it. So even though, you know, we've been talking about it being implicit for so long, I would encourage people to become aware of your bias and then counteract against it. It's a very insightful uh, perspective. So thank you for sharing that. And now finally, I just want to wrap up by asking, is there one person, a podcast or a book or something like that, uh, that you would recommend every young person to learn from? So I'm going to tell you about a book that I have loved forever. And it's probably, it harkens back to when I was 12 years old, when I figured out what I wanted to do. And it is a wrinkle in time. And it's, you know, it's a very easy read. I read it like every other year. But the reason I love this book is because it is about this little girl who was good at math and science. And that's probably why I like her. Um, But she was afraid to lead. But when she learned to lead, look at what she could accomplish. And I would encourage anyone to read that because I feel like I have had to grow into my leadership and to lean into being a voice for others. Um, Like I said, when I started this gig, I did not think I would be here today. And that book has just inspired me to, um, you know, take opportunities to lead to help others. And so that's something that I would encourage people to read and to um, don't be afraid to lead and to, uh, change the path for others coming behind you. 
Well, thank you for becoming the sort of leader that my generation should look up to. And thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciated it. Of course, it's my pleasure, Alex. I'm glad we were able to do this. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Mentor Moments. Make sure to follow us to stay up to date on the latest episodes and visit us on our website at mymentormoments.org or on Instagram at mymentormoments. 